How about if we review last week's sermon by singing the first verse of our little song? Think you can remember it? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. A little more energy. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. I got an email this week from a lady in our church. It was real interesting. She said, John, I was driving with my two kiddos in the car yesterday afternoon, and I said something sarcastic to my 17-year-old. He said something silly, and I used the word idiot, which is a word we're we're not supposed to use. And she said, after that word came out of my mouth, there was a pause, and then I heard from the back seat of the car the sweetest 13-year-old voice singing, oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. (laughs) And so she said, John, at least we know the students are listening to the sermons. Maybe you should start singing more. And so that's why I wanted to start it that way today. But anyway, um, I thought that was pretty good. You know, we're working our way through some of the greatest topics in the book of Proverbs. There are 66 books in the Bible. I love all of them. They're all practical. They're loaded with things that we can apply to our lives. But none is more practical than the book of Proverbs. It tells us so many things that are so easily applied to daily lives. We've already talked about wisdom. Last week, we talked about purity. And today, we're going to be talking about humility. So if you'll open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter number six, in just a few moments, I want us to look at some verses today about really about pride, because as we think about humility, it's not possible to fully understand what humility is until we understand what pride is. We know that humility is the opposite of pride. And so sometimes you have to know the opposite of a word to really understand what the idea is. Pride is when we think too highly of ourselves. We've got a big head. Maybe we're arrogant. Maybe we think we're smarter than other people, or we have answers that they don't quite have. And we know that the Bible says God hates pride. He hates it when we think too highly of ourselves. Humility, on the other hand, is when we have a proper view of ourselves. It doesn't mean we think lowly of ourselves or that we put ourselves down or that we have some kind of an inferiority complex that we're dealing with. It just means that we look at ourselves properly the way God would have us to look at ourselves. Now, here's the interesting thing, and really the point of this whole sermon this morning is this. God is attracted to humility. When God looks down from heaven and he sees someone who has a humble heart, they're not arrogant or big-headed or huge ego. They, they just, they have a, hum, a certain humility about them. God is attracted to that. On the other hand, when God looks down from heaven and sees somebody who is proud and haughty and with a big head, a huge ego, God is turned off by that. Now, before we get into the verses in Proverbs, listen to this verse from James chapter four and verse six. It says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's say that together. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Resist. That means God stands against a proud person. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 12, Jesus says this, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so it's a biblical principle, whether you're saved, whether you're not saved, this part doesn't matter. If you exalt yourself, 
God is going to humble you. And I'm sure you've noticed in your life and I have in mine that God has creative ways of humbling us when we get a little bit of a big head. And it can happen to anybody. Years ago, I heard about a pastor in another state and gone to, he went to church one Sunday, preached a sermon. It was a really good sermon. The only problem was he thought it was even better than it was. And so the whole afternoon around the house, he was kind of the big head and kind of strutting around. And his wife could tell that that sermon had really gone to his head. And so Later in the day, she, he, they were talking, and he said to her, sweetheart, how many truly great preachers do you think there are in our country? Well, she had kind of had all this she could take on that particular day, and so she looked at him and said, one less than you think, because she was saying, you're not quite as great as you are. But the point is, when we exalt ourselves, God has a way of humbling us. I heard about another lady she went to see her pastor one day and she said, Pastor, I've got a problem with pride and I need to get this sin out of my life. And he said, okay, tell me about it. What's causing your pride? And she said, well, every Sunday I go to church and I look around the sanctuary and she said, I notice that I'm the most beautiful woman in the whole room. And she said, all week long, I, keep, I had this in my head, of all the women at church, I'm the most beautiful. The pastor looked at her and said, ma'am, that's not pride. That's just wrong. <laughs> You're not the most beautiful. So when we get, you know, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, sometimes through a spouse, sometimes through a pastor, sometimes through a friend, sometimes through an enemy. But if we get the big head, God has a way of humbling us and bringing us back down to earth. Now, before we get to Proverbs, listen to this verse from Numbers chapter 12 and in verse number three. It says, now the man Moses was very humble more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. And so here is Moses who led the Israelites out of Egypt, who led them across the Red Sea, who received the Ten Commandments from God. You would think if anybody could have a big head, be high and mighty, it would be Moses. But no, here was Moses' secret. He was humble. And certainly the reason God used Moses in those great ways is because God is attracted to humility. And when God sees humility in your heart and in the way you interact with people, God is attracted to you and God will bless you and God will use you. Now, Proverbs chapter 6, I want us to see what the Bible says about pride and by implication about humility. Beginning in verse number 16. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. So here's a list of seven things that God absolutely hates. Number one, a proud look. Some of the translations say a haughty look. It's talking about pride, the big head, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies. God can't stand that. And one who sows discord among brethren. Somebody who's trying to always stir up controversy, gossip, slander, all these things, it says God hates it. But the first thing on this list is pride. God hates pride. He resists it. He stands against it, and he will humble us if we allow ourselves to become pride. Now, when the Bible says God hates pride, let me tell you what that does not mean. That does not mean that God hates it when we take pride in our work. 
The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 that whatever we do, we should do to the glory of God. And so if you mow your yard and you're trying to get that curb edged and get it weed-eated around the house and get all the weeds out of the flower bed and make sure the yard is evenly mowed, God doesn't hate that. God is glad that you're taking pride in your work. I'll tell you something else it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that God hates it when we take pride in our appearance and we try to dress and, and present ourselves the best way we can to look our best and to be our best. God doesn't hate that. God realizes that our bodies are the temple of God and he wants us to present ourselves in the most uh, positive way that we, that we can. I'll tell you something else it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that God hates it when we have a healthy self-esteem. Some people think, well, God hates pride. That must mean that I'm supposed to feel bad about myself and kind of, you know, be less than everybody else. No, think about this. If you're a Christian, Jesus Christ is living on the inside of you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so none of us who are saved should have a low self-esteem and feel like somebody is better than us or we're inferior or they're superior. No, God wants us to have a healthy self-esteem. He wants us to go through life with confidence. He doesn't want us to be intimidated by other people or feel inferior, but neither does he want us to feel superior. He wants us to have an accurate view of ourselves. So when it says God hates pride, what does it, be? what does it mean? It means he hates it when we try to impress other people. He hates it when we have the idea that we're always right and other people are always either wrong or not quite as right as we are. It means that he hates it when we try to climb a ladder so that we can make a name for ourselves and impress other people and be noticed. God hates that. He hates it when we insist on being the center of attention. God doesn't like that. When, when we feel like the whole world revolves around us, my family revolves around me, my work that all is about me, church, it's all about, no, God hates that. And God wants us to have a certain amount of humility in our lives. Now, there are lots of things that the Bible says about pride, but as I have thought about it and really kind of tried to get this in the, in the best presentable form, I want to mention four things that pride does, and we're going to look up verses for all of these just to show you how detrimental pride can be to your marriage to your family, friendships, work relationships. Pride is a horrible thing. First of all, pride causes arguments. If you're a proud person, you're gonna find yourself in a lot of arguments. Now go to Proverbs chapter number 13. I want you to see this verse. And if you're one of those people, you say, you know, every relationship I have, family, work, friend, there's always some kind of controversy. There's always some kind of a temper explosion or some kind of drama going on. Well, I'll show you what the root of that is. It says in Proverbs 13 and verse 10, by pride comes nothing but strife. By pride comes nothing but strife. The New Living Translation said, says pride leads to conflict. So if you're a proud person, you're bound and determined, and there's no way around it. You're going, to have, you're going to beat your head against other people's head, and there's always going to be conflict and arguments and strife and drama and tension and uptightness and all these things going on. Why is that? Because a proud person always thinks he's right. A proud person thinks that, that on every issue, whether we're talking about politics or the economy or whether we're talking about COVID-19 or whether we're talking about some other situ family situation, a proud person says, here's how I look at the situation. And since this is how I look at it, it must be right. A proud person has a very hard time saying I was wrong. 
A proud person has a very hard time saying, I'm sorry. A proud person has a very hard time saying, please forgive me. Proud, I mean, that is very hard for a proud, whereas a humble person has no problem in that. A person with humility, hey, I'm, and it may not even have been your fault, you, but you say, you know what, we're in an argument here, things aren't going right, I'm sorry, I, I, I shouldn't have said that. Forgive me for the way I did that. Uh, for a person who's humble, that just comes out of their mouth easily. But for a person who's proud, it's very difficult for that to come out of that person's mouth. If you remember the old show, you had to be pretty old, but back in the 70s, Happy Days, and the star of that show was Fonzie. Maybe you see this on TV land today, but Fonz was the cool guy, the, the ultimate tough guy. But Fonzie had a pride problem. And anytime he was trying to apologize, he would always say, I'm so, 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 so. He just couldn't make himself say, I'm sorry. He couldn't get it out. And some people are like that today. And as a result, conflict, strife, tension, arguments, and all these things. So that's the first thing that pride does. The second thing is even worse than the first. And as we go through these four, you're going to see that each one is worse than the previous. And that is pride causes destruction. Now, arguments are bad, but destruction is worse. Now, go to chapter number 16 and look in verse number 18, because we read here something about pride. This is probably the most well-known verse in the Bible about pride. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so if a person is proud, here's what God says is going to happen. That proud person, they're going to they're take a fall out there. There's going to be something to happen in that person's life that will be a destruction in, in some part of their life. And not only will they be destroyed, everybody in their orbit, everybody in their inner circle will feel the pain and the consequences of that person's pride because none of us is an island and we, what we do always affects other people. Now, I, think about, I was thinking about in the Bible examples of people who were proud and how it led to destruction. First example I came up with was Adam and Eve. Here they are in the Garden of Eden, and God has said, you can eat fruit from all these delicious trees in the garden, but there's one fruit, there's one tree that you cannot eat from, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Stay away from that tree. Don't eat that fruit. If you do, it's going to be bad. Well, and so they were doing fine, eating fruit from all the other trees, and one day a little serpent comes crawling up. It was the devil in disguise. And the serpent started speaking to Eve. And the serpent said, Eve, why don't you eat some tree, some fruit from this tree? Because if you will eat fruit from this tree, you will become like God. And so she saw that the fruit was desirable. She took it, ate it. Adam ate it, sent it into the world. Destruction. Normally, when we think about Adam and Eve sinning, we think about you know, what caused their sin, we think about, well, they saw the fruit, the fruit looked good, and that, that was all true, but there was a deeper thing, and that is they wanted to be like God. It was pride, and it led to their destruction, and it ultimately led to the destruction, really, of the human race as far as sin has taken a toll on our world. I think about another story in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 11, there was a group of people who got together, and they said, let's make some bricks, and let's build a tower, and our tower will go up into the heavens. It'll be the biggest thing ever made, and when we do that, we can make a name for ourselves. And so they start building this tower to make a name for themselves. And the Bible says God looked down and saw what they were doing. He came down, destroyed their tower, scattered them. Why? Because whoever exalts himself will be humbled. 
He who humbles himself will be exalted. And so pride leads to destruction. I'll tell you something else that pride does, and this is even uh, worse than the, the other two things. Pride offends God. Now, the one thing we don't want to do in our life is to offend God. I don't want to be on God's bad side. I want to be on God's good side. I want God to look favorably with me, and I don't want God to be offended at how I'm living my life. Now, turn in the New Testament to Luke chapter 18, because this is the best example I know in all the Bible. It's a story that Jesus told about pride and humility. And in this story, we see how pride is very offensive to God. Luke chapter 18, let me let you find it, because I I want you to see this in your Bible. It's a tremendous story. And beginning in verse number 9, Luke chapter 18, and beginning in verse 9, I can hear you turning the pages, so I'm going to let you find it. Let's Let's see if we can learn what Jesus said here. Beginning in verse 9, also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now, here's a story that Jesus told. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, that is a religious leader, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. God, I thank you I don't do all those bad things. And then he talked about the good things he does. He said in verse 12, God, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And so this religious proud man is now telling God all the bad things that he doesn't do and all the good things that he does, and he's feeling pretty good about himself. Verse 13, after this man prayed, the tax collector standing afar off. Now, tax collectors in this day were known as dishonest people. They cheated everybody out of their money. And it says, they, he would not so much as even raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said in verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Here it is again. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so the Pharisee goes to pray, and he says, God, look how good I am. And God's offended by that. The tax collector goes to pray, and he said, God, I'm not even worthy to lift up my eyes to heaven. I'm a horrible sinner. Please, God, be merciful to me, a sinful man. And Jesus said, that's the man who went home forgiven, and the other man just went home. Let me say this as we think about pride today. Pride is a horrible thing. But the worst form of pride is spiritual pride. When you begin to think that your integrity, that your holiness, I read last week in Oswald Chambers' devotional book, he said there's no such thing as proud holiness. In other words, when you start bragging about your holiness, you've just revealed another sin problem that you don't even know you have, and that is the problem of pride. And I'm telling you, any of us, you, me, or anybody else, can be guilty of this. I read an article last week by a well-known pastor, whom I know uh, lives in another state, but a godly man, and in the article, he said something, and when I read it, it didn't sit right with me, because I thought, why would he say that? Because surely he did. I know he doesn't mean it that way. I know this man. I know he wouldn't have meant it that way. But here's what he said. He started talking about his own integrity. And he said he was in a particular job. Uh, 
it was a Christian job. And he said, the people who put me in that job put me in that job because of my integrity and they wanted to use my integrity to help the cause. And when I read that, I thought, surely he doesn't mean that like it sounds because one of the things about integrity is if we have it, we're not supposed to tell anybody we have it. In other words, it wouldn't be right for me to come out here today and say, I just want y'all to, like, for example, after the service, let's just play like I meet you and I've never met you before. And you come up to me and say, John, my name's Bob. And I just want to introduce myself. This is my wife, uh, Cindy, and these are our three kids. And uh, we've never been to First Baptist. This is our very first time. I was saved when I was 10. I work at Exxon. Here's where we live. Here's what I do. And in the middle of that, he said, John, I just want you to know one thing about me. I am a man of integrity. Well, now, I wouldn't say anything when he told me that, but I would make a mental note, and I would say, keep your eyes on Bob. Because if he's a man of integrity, why is he telling me that he's a man of integrity? You see, if I, whether I'm a man of integrity or not, time will tell. At the judgment seat of Christ, it'll all come out. But I'll tell you this, what you say about my integrity carries a whole lot more weight than what I would say about my integrity. And what God says about it carries a whole lot more weight than what you would say because you may not have the right perspective of me. And so what I'm saying, when we begin to talk like that and say things like that, well, you know, I'm a man of integrity, I'm a man of morality. Well, I would say this, be a man of integrity, be a woman of morality, but also be a person of humility and don't brag about how spiritual you are. Think about the people in the Bible, how they identified themselves. I read it last night, just reading in Luke chapter five. Here's what Simon Peter, the great disciple Simon Peter, here's how he described himself. He said, I am a sinful man. The Apostle Paul, most influential Christian who ever lived, wrote 13 books in the New Testament, started churches all over the Mediterranean world. Paul said this, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. In another place, Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And so to me, and maybe I'm just being overly sensitive here, but to me, there's a big difference in saying, my name's John and I'm a man of integrity and saying, my name's John and I'm a sinner. I'm the chief sinner. I'm a wretched man. Listen, instead of describing ourselves as men and women of integrity, how about if we said this, you know what? Here's who I am. Here, I'll just do how I feel comfortable. I would say, I'm, my name's John, and if you want to know about me spiritually, here's the deal. I'm a sinner saved by grace, and I'm seeking to become a person of integrity. That's a whole lot. There, there's much humility with that. The other part is high and mighty. The other part is I'm better than everybody else. The other part is, God, I thank you that I'm not like all these other people, that I don't do the things they do, God, and I go to church, and I fast, and I give my money, God, and I thank you, God, for how good I am. God is turned off by that, and it is offensive to God. So what does pride do? What is pride? Thinking too highly of ourselves, Never been able to admit that you're wrong. Sometimes you hear somebody say, well, that person is just hard-headed. You know what, what is behind every hard-headed person? Pride. It is pride. That's why they're hard-headed, because they're proud, and they can't say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, and they have a very difficult time. And so what does it do? It causes arguments. It leads to destruction. And not only that, it offends God. And I'll tell you the worst thing pride does, pride keeps people out of heaven. Why don't some people get saved? Because it would take humility to admit that they needed to be saved. It would take humility to admit, I'm a sinner. 
when we have our time where we stand up at the end. And I think there were three in the first service today who stood. I think there were eight or 10 last week in the services who stood. But when a person stands up and says by standing, I have confessed my sins and asked Christ to forgive me of my sins, what does that take? It takes humility. And a proud person has a hard time with that because a proud person doesn't want to admit that they have sinned. And so there'll be many people who won't go to heaven because pride kept them from admitting that they needed to be forgiven. Now, turn back to Isaiah chapter 14. I want to show you one other thing here, or two other things actually. Because remember this about pride. I don't hear you turning back in Isaiah chapter 14. All right, let's find out. I want you to see this. Remember this, pride not only will keep people out of heaven, pride is what got an angel named Lucifer kicked out of heaven. The devil became the devil because of pride. Did you know God didn't create the devil? God created a beautiful angel named Lucifer. And Lucifer was up there in heaven and he saw everybody was worshiping God and Lucifer thought, well, I want to be worshiped like that. And in in chapter 14, look in verse number uh, 13. Well, in verse 12, it says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. Now, why was he taken down. Look in verse 13. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. Verse 14, I will ascend. I will be like the most high. Verse 15, yet you shall be brought down. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Lucifer and a third of the angels got kicked out of heaven because of pride. And so what is the solution to pride? If you're here, they say, John, I'll be honest with you. When I saw the title was humility, I didn't know where you were going with that. And and you kind of pulled in the pride and hard-headedness and arguing and strife and always being right and having a hard time saying I'm sorry and always wanting to blame somebody else and always play the victim card. And and I've got this victim mentality and everybody's wrong except me. Say, John, I'll be honest with you. This kind of describes me. This kind of describes some of the things that, that I'm guilty of. How can I get rid of my pride? Well, I'll tell you how. The way to get rid of your pride is to have a fresh and a clear vision of how big and how awesome and how holy and how perfect God is. The reason we sometimes get proud is because we compare ourselves to others. And listen, you can always find somebody not quite as smart as you, or you can always find somebody not quite as spiritual as you, You can always find somebody not as wealthy as you. If you just keep comparing yourself to people who are less in those categories, then you can feel good about yourself. But if you will compare yourself to God, you're going to feel differently about that. Now, go back. You're in Isaiah 14, just a few pages back to Isaiah chapter number 6. And I want you to see this. And this is how we're going to end it today. But this is the prophet Isaiah talking. And it's talking about how when he had a fresh vision of God, It changed how he looked at himself. Notice what it says. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. These are special angels. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So he said, now, Isaiah now has seen the bigness of God. 
and compared to the bigness, greatness, and holiness of God, he is now seeing himself for who he truly is. What do we brag about typically in life? What do we take pride in? Three things. First, our accomplishments. Here's what I've done. Here's what I've built. Here's what I've achieved. Well, you know, we should take a certain amount of pride in our work, but let me ask you this. Compared to what God has done by creating the world, the planets, the sun, the moon, the stars, and everything that God has made, have any of us here ever really done anything worth bragging about? I mean, compared to what God has done. Another thing we brag about, our assets, how much we have. Look at my house, look at my car, look at my portfolio, look at, look at all this. Well, good that you have what you have. But let me ask you, you this, compared to what you have, when you compare what you have to what God has, who owns everything, the Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God owns everything. I don't know if we have any billionaire members of our church. I don't know that. I don't know how much money anybody has. I don't know if any of you are billionaires. If so, I would really like to become your friend and, <laughs> and get to know you. But let's just play like we have a billionaire today or a billionaire listening at home. And that's a lot of money, a billion dollars. I don't personally know anybody who has a billion dollars. But even if a person has a billion dollars, now, if you compare that to how much money I have, you feel pretty good about yourself. But when you compare that to what God has, kind of brings you down to reality, doesn't it? Because a billion dollars to God, what is that? It's a buck fifty. It's nothing to God because God owns everything. We brag about our accomplishments. We We brag about our assets. We brag about our acquaintances. You know, to me, one of the most unbecoming things that we can do, that any person can do, is to brag about who you know, where you've been, who your friends are, who you went to dinner with. You know, if it's somebody that they have a recognizable name, it's unbecoming. It makes you look, by trying to make you look big, it makes you look small. But we like to brag about our acquaintances. Let me ask you this. Compared to God, who's famous? I mean, who's famous compared to God? The Astros are heading to the World Series this week, and we're celebrating Carlos Cabrera, Jose Altuve. But where's Jeff Bagwell? Where's Craig Biggio? Where's J.R. Richards? Where's Nolan Ryan? I thought these were our, I thought these were the Astros. Yeah, they were, but they've moved off the stage. And now, now these are the famous people. All right, 10 years from now, they'll be gone and a new group will come in. Fame is fleeting. And so when we brag about people, we know even if they're famous, even if it's somebody who's got a really big job, it's just a matter of time till they're yesterday's news. But God is the same yesterday day and forever. Now, Isaiah has this vision of God and how holy God is. Look in verse five. Notice what he says. Woe is me, for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So Isaiah sees God and he's not saying, God, I thank you that I don't commit adultery. I thank you, God. I, I'm not out there fornicating. God, I thank you that I go to church on Sunday and I fast sometime during the week. God, I thank you that I'm a big tither. God, I thank you that I'm not dishonest like that tax collector. God, I thank you that I'm better than most. No, because when he got his eyes on God, he saw, whoa, now wait a second. This is a whole nother standard. 
I'm not just comparing myself now to my contemporaries. I now am comparing myself to the God of heaven and earth. And as a result of that, he says, woe is me for I am undone. And when he made that confession, one of these angels took a coal that had been on the altar in heaven and he took that coal and he put it on Isaiah's mouth. And he said to Isaiah, and we see this in verse number seven, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. In other words, Isaiah, you've seen God. When you saw God, that, that took care of your pride problem. That caused you to conv- confess your sins. And now you're forgiven of your sins and now you've been made clean. And so I'm asking you today, what is it if you tend to be hard-headed, and, and all of us are sometimes, and you tend to be proud and argumentative and combative, I'm asking you this today. Would you be willing to put your eyes of faith on God in a fresh new way so that you can see yourself not compared to the rest of us where you might come out favorably, but where you are compared to the holy, perfect God of heaven and earth <laughs> No wonder Peter said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. No, 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 no wonder Isaiah said, woe is me for I'm undone. No wonder Paul said, for I'm the chief sinner. See, when we have that attitude, do you see the difference in saying I'm a chief sinner? Woe is me for I'm undone. I'm a sinful man. The difference in that and saying, hello, I want you to know I'm a man of integrity. What do you think God thinks about I'm a man of integrity? I think he's offended by it. And I think God says, I'm going to have to soften your spirit I'm going to have to humble you, and I'm going to have to get you to say, not that you're a man or a woman of integrity, but that with my help, you're seeking to become that. But even if you get further down the line, friend, listen, until we get to heaven, we're still going to be sinners saved by grace. Amen? When we get there, we'll be perfect. But until we get there, we're still works in progress.